Hello and welcome to the latest Manchester is Red podcast. It's a two-man team this week. I'm joined by Kieran Kelly, Manchester United writer. I'm Samuel Luckhurst. Uh, we'll be discussing plenty of things. The main topic, I suppose, is after the, the Swansea game. United are through. That, that was a given in a way. We, we expect that to happen. What was the most pleasing aspect from United fans' point of view, would you say, from that game? Yeah, um, I think there were a number of things. Obviously, it was the perfect response um, after what happened in Huddersfield, you know, um, there were similar conditions. Uh, Swansea play in a similar way to Huddersfield without the ball. They like to, to chase and harry, but a much changed United team really stood up. And I think with all the fixtures coming up, you know, you think of six of the next seven games in the league are against teams currently in the top seven. A lot of fringe players certainly put themselves in with the shout of. of you know, keeping their matchday squad places because I think now more than ever the, um, you know, the opportunities have opened up a little bit for them after what happened. Um, so guys like Jesse Lingard, um, Axel Tunzebe, um, really really stood out, and it was a night really for the academy because you had Rashford starting obviously um, up front, um, which was something different for him, um, and I just think the the way United generally played. Um, it was quite a change from Huddersfield, and obviously it was it was a cup competition um, against a, a Swansea team who you'd be amazed if they stay up. Finally, it might be the time they go down this year. But I think the the picture has changed um, for the for the moment at least. Whereas if they had lost that, you know, you can imagine the outcry. It would have been talk of a crisis. Uh, two defeats in you know three or four days. But um, I think looking ahead now. Um, some of those performances, um, you know, are, are, are really pleasing. And on the talk of crisis, crisis of confidence is something that Lindelof seems particularly afflicted with. I mean, there was the picture of Rashford mm-hmm. reassuring him after the, uh, I think it was Lingard's first goal yes. in the week. He had that incident in the first half where he passed the ball forward, that deserted him, uh, and then he kicks it towards his own goal. Two and Zeeb, he's playing like how everyone expected Lindelof to play. Mm. It's pretty safe to assume he's not going to play this weekend because Jones and Bailly look to be fit again. Is it difficult to pin... I mean, it's difficult to pinpoint when he's exactly going to start in the Premier League. When do you think that could happen? Yeah, I think you're you're seeing that that mantra Mourinho kept referring to, that step-by-step process. And um, I think it's so important with a defender when can tell initially they're not going to settle it was very different with Bailly the second he was thrown in into a new environment he just looked like he'd been playing the Premier League for three four seasons do you think that's what that partly exacerbates it that he's following a guy like Bailly who was a bit of an unknown quantity to a lot of people came in and was just brilliant immediately yeah yeah yeah, absolutely and I think um, that that's put it's a different kind of pressure then because um I think Mourinho's obviously addressed it so quickly. You know, it's not been allowed to linger where, why isn't this guy playing? But I think most United fans expected was that uh, Lindelof would come straight into the team when he was signed. He was the first sign of the summer. They'd followed him for, you know, up to a year. Mourinho knows mm-hmm. Portugal inside out. He's yeah. all the contacts you need over there. Um, and it was a bit of a surprise. But I think to that's also a credit to Phil Jones. I mean, maybe not many people saw him a, having the start he's had and B, being able to play you know, at least one game a week, which I think is a credit to him because in every game he's played, he's not let them down. I think Mourinho, in a way, could have 
maybe took taken a slightly easier route, the fans would have been maybe behind him if he went for Michael Keane, someone who's got that Premier League, um, you know, robustness. With Lindelof, it seems more of a long-term project. Um, but the way you're looking at him, you're thinking it's hard not to feel sorry for him personally. You know, you just think you saw him, yeah, what, two hoods up, yeah, coming out of Huddersfield. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it was it was really bizarre because after the game, the the where the players passed by the mix zone, and um, there were just maybe dozens of United fans, really really enthusiastic ones, who were just screaming for the players to stop. And there was one awkward moment where um, a journalist stuck out a dictaphone and Mkhitaryan, thinking it was a fan wanting a picture, stopped. And he's like, oh, God, <laughs> he, he ran onto the bus. Um, and then shortly after, of course, Lindelof emerged. And no United players stopped, but he was particularly keen to just get that kind of almost like a walk out of court over with as quick yes, as he can. Yes, I used that analogy as well this week. I think it was stripped out of my copy, unfortunately. Oh, there we go. But, yeah, yeah. Plagiarism as per. Um, and... You just you look to them, and you, you, he obviously, like most fire players, he's getting sick of the weather, and he's constantly, you know, on on social media and that posting quite funny um, videos of you know back in Manchester and Slash, and he's been in lovely Sweden or whatever, where you know it's it's quite. See, nice. I'm not even sure if it's renowned for it. <laughs> it's hot weather in Sweden, but yeah. I mean, one of the things I was told by um, by, by someone who who knows. Phil Jones is that his two best performances for United were the 4-0 defeat at Chelsea last season mm. when Smalling played and the defeat at the weekend when mm. he came off and, and yeah. Lindelof went in. I mean, it is peculiar how just how much his form has picked up mm. under Mourinho. Even a coach like Mourinho who's got this uh, reputation for coaching incredibly good performances out of defenders. But going ahead to this weekend's game, he's got to be one of the first names on the team sheet, surely. Yeah, yeah, I think it's... It, you always feel the worst when you see him go off. and It looks more serious it than, did, it, it did, than it clearly was. Um, you know, he he wouldn't have come... He's one of those players who obviously doesn't like to come off. Yeah, It's that traditional English centre-half, isn't he, where uh, he won't go off unless it's something really, really serious. So immediately you thought, oh, God, could this be... You know, a four or six week layoff. Yeah. I uh, point his hip as he went off. Anything involving your hip, no matter what age you are, is never. You can be quite immobile, yeah, aren't you? Exactly. Um, but again, when he was walking out of the, the stadium, he wasn't limping. Uh, he obviously didn't have any crutches. And his expression, obviously, he was good at given that they lost, but he wasn't, you know, Jesus, I've, my season's over. Action faced or anything like that. It's still a surprise, all the same, that A, he travelled to Swansea um, on the bench. There in the warm-ups, doing keepy-uppies with the guys, and B, that he looks like he'll obviously start a huge, huge game. Um, but I think that's, again, a credit to him, and, and you know, he's, he's arguably been one of the stories of the season, just that, as I was saying, I think a lot of people expected Lindelof just to slot in straight away, but partly why the pressure hasn't been as great as it could be for him is that Jones is just effortlessly held the forward by and you really think if that partnership can stay fit for the season that's probably the most important partnership in the whole United team mm-hmm. at the moment if they really want to make uh, a statement by you know going the distance for the title I know that um, it's still very early in Lindelof's career and United were looking at Michael Keane as well when you see how badly Keane is faring <laughs> as well at Everton we shouldn't forget mm-hmm. do, do you think it's 
I mean, Mourinho did want Varane last year. Do you think it's a mistake that they didn't go for that established centre-half out there? Or do you think you thought, I've done it with Bailly, who was an unknown quantity, I can do it again, even though Lindelof was, had a bigger profile than Bailly? Yeah. Or do you think they should have gone with someone a lot more established? It's tricky. Um, because you look at last season, you look how Rojo came in. He's obviously still to come back. And Rojo really turned the picture around so quickly. Um, he you know, nearly had as bad a start to his career at United as, as Lindelof at times, I think. Um, so I think they did have to make a sign-in, but to have, to have gone for someone for, you know, say 60, 70 million. Say Varane, he's obviously one of the world's best, but imagine if he made an error um, of mm. that ilk. It's not beyond them in, in the Premier League. You know, when defenders come here, they um, they naturally take time. And looking at Mourinho's past... Um, Someone synonymous with him is Ricardo Carvalho, and Carvalho, we all know, one of the all-time Premier League greats. Um, and Mourinho's already compared him exactly. to him. He was benched for three of his first six Chelsea games, and he was a notoriously bad trainer. You know, he was one of those guys who, um, in training, he he wouldn't make much of an effort, but in games, he was absolutely fantastic yeah. when things clicked for him. I think with Lindelof, um, for me personally, you know, I think you just have to be. Patient, I think the it's obviously a confidence thing because watching him at Swansea is just any time a, a ball came over his head or he had to be decisive, and um, there was just that split second of hesitancy that opened the door and, and small enough and had to cover him. And it's kind of I think the the progress he had made going into that Liverpool game where he made the matchday squad for a league game. I think only the second time that's kind of been almost stripped away now because the spotlight is firmly on him again. And um, at Swansea, you know, it, it was a mixed bag, really. Um, you know, there were times where he would break forward. He just seemed to get sucked in a little bit at times. And his passing, you tried things, but he always felt he was second-guessing himself. And it's kind of like what, at times, Luke Shaw had last season, where, um, you know, the eyes were on him. He he, he wasn't... Mourinho's brain. And yeah, exactly. body. It was yeah. like the, the shackles were on him and he wasn't able to play his natural game because naturally he doesn't have the confidence to play the natural game. But I thought it was interesting because when you think of Lindelof, when he broke in at Benfica, he had like four or five years in the reserves, very much under the radar, similar to Twins, AB. And then when he was parachuted in, he had nothing to lose and he played like a kid should, you know, he, even in defence. He just was effortless played against Bayern Munich in the Champions League, was probably one of the best players on the pitch. And it's kind of trying to to marry that to what we're seeing now, where a guy is obviously um, struggling for confidence. I suppose also it doesn't help when Mourinho says how well someone like Chris Smalling's doing, he's bringing stability on top yeah. of that. Another player who um, plays at centre-half, did very well, was Axel Tunzebi. I think it was his first game playing sends back in, in, in the senior side and Mourinho made a point of saying how, how well he thought McTominay did as well. Um, with McTominay, again, he, he's been parachuted into that position even though he did go on tour because Pereira went out on loan. Looking at that scenario at the time, it, it, it certainly seemed to me as though Pereira was far too hasty and did make a mistake. As the current situation United at the moment would you agree with that it's, it's yeah it's a tough particularly one. since there's been a dearth of creativity yeah. in midfield as well and he could have perhaps alleviated that issue yeah I think 
to be fair to him, you look at those first, I think it was four match day squads of the season, and he wasn't anywhere near the 18. Um, and it was a similar story the year before, and it was those first four match day squads that made him go on loan to Granada initially. It's the same with Valencia, and I think if... Was that hint to a bit of impetuousness there, though? Because I think Mourinho did say in his yeah. Leicester programme notes as well how all these, these players who aren't involved at the moment are going to be involved at yeah. some stage. I suppose... From his point of view, he's he's not a seventeen-year-old. You know, he's coming up twenty-two. Yeah. He's probably thinking, you know, I've got to prove myself. Because if you look at how many first-team games he played before he went on loan last season, it's you could barely count them on two hands. And, and he made his United debut over three years ago. Yeah, we're going. And 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 that's that's the remarkable thing. I think with the move to Valencia, what the the thing it's thrown up is that he's playing mainly on the wing. Um, is he looking at you know that's where. I see my future. Could that come into play in the summer where you look at United are already well stocked in the, that position. They're going to probably buy another one. Um, and the midfield, you know, he did okay on tour. Um, he didn't do his, his chances any harm in midfield. But I think for me personally, I could see it from the player's point of view. But obviously he didn't feel reassured enough to think, well, this injury crisis in commas will happen and that I will get my chance then you know I don't think for his development you were looking at it and you probably think that Burton game would have been his first game of the season you're like well is that really going to be good for his development I think what most people might have wanted to see was um, him potentially going on loan to another English team and Indeed, to kind of yeah. get the the hustle and bustle of, of playing in England um, on a regular basis because I think that's the key going forward because he's going to come back in the summer, I think Valencia are going to have a good season. They've started really well. Um, they've got a really exciting group of players, play good football. Um, but he's going to come back with no more Premier League experience. That's the caveat, yeah. isn't it? He's he's getting football, but it's almost as if he's preparing for a move to La Liga mm. rather than yeah. sticking around in the Premier League yeah. with uh, United. Uh, on to Nzibi. It's an interesting case because obviously we've just contrasted him with Lindelof and that they do have similar styles to a certain mm. extent. Is he going to be another one who's going to have to go out on loan in, in January? Or do you think that, given how jittery Lindelof is at the moment, his importance has, has increased? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd personally hang on to him. Um, you know, he's still only 19. And I think when you consider that was his first start of the season, um, it's quite remarkable to think you can literally just throw him in. He seems to have already proven that quality. You think of last season, he's... His debut in the league, I think, came starting against Arsenal. Did, yeah. Most youngsters might be a bit uh, shaky with that, but what I what I like about him personally is even when he makes an error naturally, because he, he's he's still fighting his feet, um, it doesn't knock him. I mean, minutes. I think you know, a matter of minutes before he he brought that ball forward for Lingard's second goal is a really good run. Um, there was a moment where he was caught out and small and had to cover him um, defensively. But he just plays with that confidence that you're kind of like, if only Lindelof had a bit yeah. of that. I suppose in that case, you're thinking, if if that happened to Lindelof two oh. minutes later, yeah. he's not going to be taking the no. ball forward, no, playing exactly. it forward. But that's what Two and Zeebi yeah. is doing. Um, another player who, who did travel to Swansea and just about had a cameo appearance at the end was, was Luke Shaw. Now, I know a lot of United fans were surprised that he wasn't starting. I don't think any of us were because... Mm the amount of left-back options United have. Mm. But it is almost as if it's looking like there's more chance of Rojo or Ibrahimovic playing in the Premier League <laughs> than him at this yeah. rate. 
the, the dilemma for United is that given his contract situation, which expires next year, they've got the option of an additional year. Um, I mean, do you think, one, do you think he has to go next year? Two, do you think they should be getting rid of him in January? Uh, again, that's. I think if I was him and you come to January and maybe you've only had two more substitute appearances, you're not getting a match day squads for the Premier League. Um, you fit a World Cup's yeah, coming up. You, you'd have to say, well, you know, at the very least, I, I'm, sh- you know, you've got a knock on the manager's door, and and I think with him, there are two things really. It's easy to forget how good he was, and probably still can be. Um, you know, he was the world's most expensive teenager, I believe, at one point. He's obviously such an exciting fullback when he's on form. Um, but for me, whenever I've I've seen him in in the past, you know, you think six months. Um, it seems like a different Luke Shaw again, similar to Lindelof, where he, he, he's second guessing himself. He's not playing the natural game. Those those great runs forward, and when you look at United's system, particularly with three against Swansea, Darmian, I'd never seen play so far forward. You know, so and that's his best yeah, position as well, exactly. Right wing back, um, and you think of how unfashionable he is with some United fans. Yet he, you know, when he needs to do a job, generally he does it. With Shaw, we're kind of waiting around for so long for this moment you know he's on his second chance third chance fourth chance and whether it's the rub of the green or just that relationship is so maybe fractured that maybe he'll never have it under Mourinho and you're kind of looking at it and you're thinking well if that's the case um, you know why wouldn't you let him go but equally I think United that's that's a position they have to strengthen in the summer no matter what um, and for Shaw I think you're kind of looking at it now. If if he didn't get a start against Swansea in the fourth round of the Carabao Cup, when so many players got the chance to stake a claim, particularly players from the academy, when is he going to get a chance? It would take a really bad injury crisis, and even then, you might think Mourinho would put Dimitri Mitchell in. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the way it's gone, isn't it? Um, um, that Darmian, someone who's a right back, is 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 ahead of him in the queue to play left back. And the thing about it is, looking, I know we're recording this before the League Cup draw. By the time a lot of people have heard this, they, they'll probably know the draw. If, if United, there's a good chance they're going to get a top six side. Yeah. Um, you'd think that discounts him of starting in that game as well on, on top of that. And, and on that uh, slightly relatable note, looking ahead to the Tottenham game, and you know that could be a change of scenery for sure next year. Um, Spurs were terrific against Liverpool at the weekend, really showed the merits of actually targeting Dejan Lovren and going on the attack against yeah. Liverpool. I, I take it Shocking. that United were at Anfield, but still, I think it's fair to say that uh, that, that performance was unambitious. But with Tottenham, bearing in mind how Mourinho treated a wobbling Liverpool side who haven't won at home since August, and now he's coming up against a Tottenham side who you could argue have got possibly the best eleven in the league. I know a lot of City fans would dispute that, but they have got a, a brilliant side yeah. and they walloped Liverpool at the weekend, but United are at home. Mm-hmm. How do you think Mourinho's going to approach this game? Yeah. Uh, I mean, United need to win, they obviously. Do, they do, don't they? I mean, uh, a draw isn't particularly good, particularly when you look at the games they're coming up. So obviously the, the Chelsea game a week after and if City in December and even when Rafa Benitez comes, there's added heat to that you know that won't be a straightforward game when Newcastle comes so I think they have to get the result um, 
I think it's it's one of two ways. I think United could race out the blocks, try and catch them out on the hop. Um, you've seen them do that on on big television games um, on on Saturday lunchtimes in the past. But given how they've played at home this season, you know, um, not conceded any goals, scored fourteen, I think, in, in four games. They really have to go for it. I think it'd be it'd be very disappointing and and, and perhaps worrying if they were to th- sit back against Tottenham because Tottenham have the pace, have the creativity, the invention, and of course the the goals to to really hurt United if they do that. And also, you know, this is a team who've gone to Real Madrid, who've, who've played well away from home, uh, more so than playing well at Wembley. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's going to be probably their toughest tests of the season uh, so far and you're, you're thinking well they can come through that and win it um, that could give them a real fillip for, for these tough games coming up because the way the tight rivalries have gone now I don't think getting draws against your tight rivals is necessarily as advantageous as it was maybe when Mourinho won his first yeah. two titles at Chelsea you're kind of having to have a bit of Russian roulette with these games now where you have to win them or um you're no real better off because you can strike that mortal blow into your rivals. We saw last season, you know, United's first tough home test, they lost the Manchester Derby and then I think they only won a handful of their next 10 league games, put them in six before Christmas was even over and they never got out of that. So, you know, they have to go for it. Do you you think, I mean, going back on the draw point, it's interesting because even not just Mourinho's first two title wins, but his last title Mm. win, Chelsea... I think they got draws at United, Arsenal and City. They they beat Liverpool and lost to Tottenham when Kane's got the hat-trick. But what do you think's changed there? Is it just the, the influx of the coaching and the quality of the coaching? Yeah, yeah I, th- I think so. Because Mourinho's record, I mean, Jamie Carragher mentioned it, his record at top six sides, I think he's not won a top six away game. Liverpool was it the one. Liverpool game yeah, when a thousand days ago? Yeah, yeah. Like well, yeah. I mean, it's it nearly three years ago, <laughs> I think, wasn't it? So he's he's not won any of those games since then. That's not working. It's a little bit better at home because United beat Chelsea and yes. Tottenham last season. Uh, they should have beaten Arsenal, Arsenal as yeah. well. When okay, City absolutely dominated them in the first half. But looking at the Bravo decision, the chance United have, they probably thought they could have got a result out of that one. If it, given that there seems to be this need for him to change things up, do you think that the back three at the in midweek was, even though it was a very a much changed side, do you think that's telling ahead of these Spurs and Chelsea games? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think particularly ahead of the the away games, um, because as far as I know, from a starting point, that's they've only used that formation away games so in yeah. Moscow and the Super Cup, and of course against Swansea and. It, I think a lot of people maybe expected that formation to be used more given how he dabbled with it so much in pre-season and it seems to be almost leading up to those big games you know, like the Liverpool game where um, he kind of surprised a few people playing young on the, the actual wing instead mm. of as a wing-back um, and I think when when you go toe-to-toe with someone like Conte with a three-man back line in a way that's, that's obviously a bit of respect to him but also um, it's a way of uh, kind of matching them and, and finding another way around rather than sticking to the tried and tested because I think that's something that's been noticeable at United um, particularly in the last you know six, nine months where they're trying different formations. Marino's been kind of wedded to the 4-3-3 three, three, 
uh, and then he switched to four two three one and now you know you saw him play four four two at times last season three at the back wing backs wingers what have you so I think that tactical flexibility is key because there are going to be times in these big matches where uh, you could be seventy minutes and chasing a goal or chasing a winner and the onus is now on Mourinho to, to kind of go for the throat more in these games. And I think that's something he's, he's having to almost adapt to despite being so long in the game. And um, other managers have kind of led the way in, in that fearless approach. So you're seeing, like, quite obviously with Guardiola and um, uh, Pochettino and, uh, you know, even Wenger, they're, they're not guys who particularly settle for, for negative displays or, or poor, you know, negative results. And I think Mourinho's having to change now and, and thinking, you know, um, it's all very well settling for a nil-nil at Liverpool, but when you see what Tottenham did to Liverpool, it's like, well, you know, could that result have been even better? Um, and, and, and that's something I think will be a narrative that could run through this season where United now have are able to put away teams below them finally quite comfortably but against the top teams you know how you know are they going to get out of 36 points how much are they going to get out of that share because that share is probably going to be the difference between United and, and potentially City this season and when they did play a back three against Chelsea at home last season mm. it, was, it was probably their best performance of the season yeah. um, still looking on the Tottenham game Rashford or Marshall <laughs> yeah, I thought neither of them because it lo- it does look unlikely that both of them will, no. will play this game. Yeah, then... in in Swansea they they both were playing as central strikers, and in terms of their individual performances, there was nothing massively enough. But what they did do was really link up with Lingard, and it was quite exciting at times. And I think that's something that maybe you and I could look to. In um... well, that worked really well yeah, against Chelsea last exactly. season when you had. Rashford and Lingard who I think both of them would prefer to play centrally more mm. often but they have to settle with wing roles what have you but yeah. you you certainly you could see both of them playing at the weekend but not obviously both centrally no. unless Lukaku gets injured or yeah like yeah so I, I think it, it'd be you would probably think it's um, Mkhitaryan will come back into the team Mata despite having that you know ropey mistake against Huddersfield he, he'll probably come back in um, and then you're looking at will it be Rashford or Martial on the left? And um, given how Martial played against Huddersfield, you know that that was kind of something we hadn't seen this season. Most of his halves have been really promising and encouraging, but um, it was just very petulant, and he was lucky to still on be be on the field. And there was nothing really redeeming. I know there was very little redeeming from that performance as a whole from the team, but particularly him, I, I was quite disappointed with. And whereas you look at Rashford, he came on, had the right attitude, obviously got the goal, um, played a role in Lingard's first goal against Swansea, and um, got me, the winner against Benfica exactly, last week. You you would think, you know, why not give him a crack from the start? Yeah, I think what was uh, possibly most concerning thing about Marshall last week. I mean, we we had a great view where he's up and down right in front of us and there was a point where Mourinho actually had to tell him to stop uh, <laughs> from tackling back when he was already on a, yeah. a yellow card by that point the army indeed <laughs> indeed indeed um, I think we'll leave it there because it's, it's it's a pretty depleted team this week but uh, unless you have anything else to add Kieran sadly not no thank you very much Cheers. well uh, thank you very much for listening again um, please do subscribe 
uh, to the Manchester is Red podcast on iTunes or Audio Boom. Uh, and if you could also give us a review on iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated since uh, we're told that boosts rankings and it will mean that more people will listen to our dulcet tones in the future. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week.